Can you claim the lifetime learning credit? This information can be found in publication 970. Can you claim the credit? The following rules will help you determine if you are eligible to claim the lifetime learning credit on your tax return. Who can claim the credit? Generally, generally, you can claim the lifetime learning credit if all three of the following requirements are met. So notice this isn't an either or option. This is an all three type thing. First one, you pay qualified education expenses of higher education. You pay the education expenses for an eligible student. And the eligible student is either yourself, your spouse, or a dependent you claim on the tax return. So let's read through those one more time. You pay qualifying education expenses of higher education. So we're paying for the qualifying education expenses, which of course is a key term we'll have to define, and higher education, which is another kind of key term. The next item that we would need, not or, and, you pay the education expenses for an eligible student. So that's another kind of key phrase there. We'll have to, what is an eligible student? Next item, the eligible student is either yourself, your spouse, a dependent you claim on your tax return. In other words, it's got to be somebody that's claimed on the tax return. So if we see the tax return, here's our test 1040. Typically, if we were married, we would have a taxpayer, then we would have the spouse, then any dependents would be here. They have to be here somewhere on the tax return in order to be able to claim the credit related to it on that particular tax return. Table 3.1, overview of the lifetime learning credit for 2018. Maximum credit. The maximum credit is up to 2,000 per return. So up to 2,000 per return. And then we have, so notice it's not 2,000 per student, by the way, let's emphasize that a little bit more. They bolded that for us. So 2,000 per return. Next item, limit on modified gross income. So we have modified adjusted gross income or MAGI. That's going to be 134,000 if married filing jointly and 67,000 if single head of household or qualifying widow widower. In other words, typically we think of this as the married filing joint. It's going to have the higher uh, amount because of course they could have two incomes there and then everything else which is usually we think of as head of household or single would be at the lower amount of the 67,000. So there's going to be a limit on the modified adjusted gross income meaning if we get more than this amount we're going to lose we, we could lose the credit basically because there's going to be an income limitation as the income goes up we're in danger of losing the credit and of course that adjusted gross income is on line seven line seven is the adjusted gross income it could be modified in some situations it will talk in the you know some minor modifications with relation specifically to this particular credit next item refundable or non-refundable non-refundable <laughs> credit limited to the amount of tax you must pay on your taxable income so this is kind of a, a not a good thing, of course, about the lifetime learning credit. It's non-refundable, meaning that if we don't have any tax liability, the government's not going to give us money for it, right? It's, it's got to be to reduce the, the amount of liability that we owe, uh, not to get, basically get money past the liability. So unlike the American Opportunity Credit, which does have a refundable portion where we can get money back or money that's not being, that's beyond the tax liability. So next item, number of years of post-secondary education. 
available for all years of post-secondary education and for courses to acquire or improve job skills. And that's, of course, the big benefit. It's, it's there for all years of post-secondary education. That, we, don't have, we don't see the four-year limitation or anything like that. We, if we qualify at expenses, we're good on, on all years. And that's why the lifetime learning is something that we'll often be able to qualify for after the fact that uh, we don't qualify for the American Opportunity Credit uh, at some point. That, so that's why it goes from one and then to the other. American Opportunity, then lifetime learning. Next item, number of tax years credit available, available for an unlimited number of tax years. So that's great. So again, we could go to school all the time, any, any year and have qualified expenses and unlimited lifetime learning, still get the credit. All right, next item, type of program required. Student doesn't need to be pursuing a program leading to a degree or other recognized uh, educational education credential. So key term, student doesn't need to be per pursuing a program leading to a degree or other recognized education credential. So that's going to be a more broad limitation than we saw in the American Opportunity Credit, which typically was geared mainly towards that, that first four years of college. That's what the purpose is. Lifetime learning is geared towards lifetime learning. And so it may not, you know, it's going to have a broader type of uh, what qualifies for a lifetime learning type of expense next item number of courses available for one or more courses next item felony drug convention conviction felony drug convictions don't make the student ineligible and notice this is kind of that thing that was just it was it doesn't quite fit but you know you can see why the law would just kind of put the stuff in there so the the felony drug conviction was put in there for the american opportunity credit and it's not something that's really included for the lifetime learning credit. And I'm going to just speculate on how this happened in the law here. Note that it, it might be something happening in the law because the American Opportunity Credit is geared towards the first four years of college. And then and on college campuses in the first four year of college, there could be, you know, drugs are uh, an issue. So drug dealing, they want to make sure that there's no drug dealing on or reduce it on college campuses or try to incentivize through the tax law for that and whereas the lifetime learning credit since we're not really geared towards strictly those first four years where possibly drug uh people distributing drugs would be more of a problem maybe that they didn't feel they needed it in the lifetime learning credit or something like that so in any case it looks like it was put in there for the american opportunity credit this kind of uh, felony drug conviction item not in there for the lifetime learning credit next item qualified expenses Tuition and fees required for enrollment or attendance, including amounts required to be paid to the institution for course-related books, supplies, and equipment. So that's the types of things that would qualify. Obviously, the tuition and fees required for enrollment, and then it does include amounts uh, required to be paid to the institution. Notice we have paid to the institution for course-related books, supplies, and equipment. Next item. Next one. Payments for academic periods. Payments made in 2018 for academic periods beginning in 2018 or beginning in the first three months of 2019. So we have a, a similar kind of cutoff thing. We're kind of on a cash basis method. So you would think it would be, we would get the expense possibly when the expense was made, when the cash was paid. And that is typically the case 
And we can imagine a situation where it was paid in 2018, but the class didn't start until 2019. So the actual education didn't happen until 2019, and we made the payment in 2018. Well, as long as it started within the first three months of 2019, and we made the payment within 2018, then the, the expense would then be counted if qualified in 2018. Note, qualified education expenses paid by a dependent you claim on your tax return or by a third party for that dependent are considered paid by you. So note, when we look through the qualifications on who makes the payment, of course, if we're talking about the taxpayer and taking the, uh, the credit on a particular return, we said that the payment must have been made for education expenses by the taxpayer. But what if it was paid by the child who is the dependent? Well, in that case, if they're on the tax return as a dependent, we would still basically count it as if paid by the taxpayer and still be eligible to take the credit. Okay, well, what if the grandparent paid for the child's tuition directly to the institution that is now being claimed as a dependent by the parent? Well, in that case, still, we would typically be able to, as the parent, be acting kind of as if we made the payment, and typically those expenses would still qualify for the calculation of the credit.